Good to right. see you, James. How are you, you doing? Man? Yeah. Oh, look, good to see you. It's been a while. It is. It has been a while, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. How are you, how are you boys coping? Da- Darren, how are you doing? All right. It's a bit. It's a bit odd, isn't it? It's a strange situation going on in the world, but you make do, I think. Do, do you want to tell him about that meme you were doing yesterday or the other day? <laughs> yeah, I did a, a bit of a video with. Um, holding up signs saying how um, gutted I am to be at home and how I need help desperately. Um, and I'm saying the opposite. And then I pan over to my wife at the end. She goes, hi, oh, doesn't know, but I've been saying I need to escape. <laughs> bit of fun, bit of uh, isolation fun. Where are you boys? You're down south, aren't you? Hold on, southwest. You're, you live, you you come from down south, but yeah, we're, we're about... Yeah. Five six miles apart, aren't we down in down in Devon? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we did a a good thing. I, I was on the exercise bike this morning, and then Claire's uh, got a friend, Madeline, who she would normally go to various classes, um, stretch and tone they call them, and varieties on that. But with the coronavirus, what she's done is she's let a household subscribe for a month, and then you can jump on and do any of the classes. So I was then doing some yoga this morning. Which which was good. It's good stretching out, especially as I, especially I won't get to see the chiropractor for a few weeks. So that was worked out really well. And James, there was a one of the songs. There was a Joni Mitchell song popped up on there. Which one? Oh, just I, I meant to prepare beforehand. Um, it was off Blue. Just trying to remember the the track. That's oh, a album. My old man, River, KCU, Blue, California. It, it, it was actually. It was. It was actually. <laughs> Are you familiar with it? I, I remember how much you love it. <laughs> Did you hear about Jaco Pistorius when she started uh, getting involved in when she started touring? And I think she, I'm not sure if she's recorded an album. And she had Jaco Pistorius, they were on some stage together. And what he said to her, and it's kind of stuck with me, and I maybe shouldn't say this if we bring my producer friend on here, but he said, don't let a producer near you you've got a unique voice a new unique sound he, she said just just if you record something you um you put me down as the credit i'll be at the studios but we'll make sure we just get your sound the way it is and i took a lot from that because i think sometimes yeah. things can get go the wrong way can't they they can it can be the producer's interpretation rather than the artist's well it's a producer it's like you know if you go down the pop route pharrell is the producer is the artist in effect as much as the artist isn't it really it's how much they dominate but then again some of the best collaborations are when people come together it's, it's that yeah there's no right answer is there they're really you know it's just uh but there are some wrong answers but there are some wrong answers aren't there i think that's the point yeah they're that yeah they're <laughs> a good artist will trust yeah. And generally get the best out of a situation. That that I think that separates the men from the boys. Really, if you're just going, but then again, sometimes it's a risk, isn't it? You know, Andrew Weatherall, fucking Crime or Scream, who who oh, yeah. defined dance music and changed the world forever. You know, just absolutely <laughs> crazy. So, 
So there you go. So how are we doing this, boys? What, what happens? Yeah, so we're, we're going to start off. Um, we're going to do the introductions. We'll do the, I'll, I'll just cut in the music beforehand. Oh, you haven't got a tat on your arm there, have you? Uh, I, I fell over about two months ago and I spanned my um, elbow and it still hasn't healed. So uh, a friend of mine's a nurse and she just said, keep it sort of locked like this. Uh, so... We've got our gaping. You don't need to know that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. Look, we're look, we we just roll into it easily. So we're, we're I've got I've got it rolling. So um, if I hand over to Darren just to do the uh, introduction for us. Yeah, fine. Yeah, hi everybody. Um, just a quick one, just to say, really, uh, thanks very much for all the positive feedback we've had so far. Um, David and I have been really impressed with some of your comments and the amount of people that have actually liked the page and have started listening to it. So thanks a lot for that. Um, and just if you haven't heard us before, this is technically number three of our podcast series. Um, we're on Facebook, SoundCloud, and Spotify at the moment, so we'll give you some more info on that towards the end. Um, but just to say what we're doing, we're two friends. Uh, we live relatively close together. We've always had a love and a passion for music. Um, I've been in and out of bands quite a lot. I've done... Ooh, Lots of how many bands I've been in over the years. And David's a big music fan with some music connections. And we're both massive fans and collectors of vinyl. I just remembered I wrote it for you one time. Oh, did you? Remind me. <laughs> when was that? It's when you were with Daz and uh, we were camping. And then we had to break away from the camp because you guys were doing uh, a 60s, 60s kind of tribute band. We're at, uh, at a hospital that place or so, social. So uh, Exeter. It was by Exeter RDE. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Ah, good times. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> Rody Link as well. <laughs> that's good. Um, so, why don't we introduce uh, our lovely guest today, James Curry? Uh, James will work our way onto some of your different, different musical um, adventures and exploits we get through there um, and I think I probably want to start by just saying a, a really big thank you to you I don't know if you realize how much you brought me back into music that, that chance of us being sat next to each other and suddenly discovering discogs and and you know they're going Dave Dave what do you reckon to this and there'd be harmonium I go what is this music he's, he's showing me and a lot of it was just outstanding as well so so that was very good Thanks, man. Good people are good people, aren't they, really? That's what you need to know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, why don't you give us a bit of a background, so maybe a sort of potted history around your music and the music that you've liked and how you come to like it, but start from home, because we'll talk about your podcast later, but I remember you digging out music from uh, your dad's box of singles or tracks, so there's obviously a home influence. Uh, you picked up a lot of really good music from the past, from there. Yeah, man. I, mean, I, I just... Like, I think like most people, they find their musical feet through what their parents play them. That's just your first in. And my earliest memories of family life, but it's just music. I always gravitated to the record player. I think as a, a kid, you, you watch a lump of plastic spinning around. I mean, that is as exciting anyway, irrespective of, of later life, understanding how that process. And to this day, that process of vibrations through needle, through speakers still blows me away. But... My earliest memories are, uh, are all music and records, and if it wasn't my parents, then it was my my mum's sister, and, and you know, and even you know up to my mum's mum 
would be playing Boney M, you know. So, the, <laughs> wow. but you know, you just, you just start digging out your parents, and they slowly start feeding you, you know. And all this, it's not conscious. It, they're just sort of you just your ear slowly picks up. Oh, that's that's Paul Simon, right? Okay, oh, there's Cal King. Stones are in there. The Beatles are massively in there. But there's some disco in there. Oh, look, there's some blues, R&B. There's Lead Belly. There's, you know, the 60s. Oh, what, there's there's Faces. Oh, what, Pink Floyd. Jesus, who are they? Oh, my God, there's Eppin. You know, you so see, your whole life is just spent just like a sponge. And to the day you cark it, you'll always be filling in the gaps of yeah. stuff that you don't know. And you'll always be surprised and blown away in equal measure by how you've lived without a track or an album or a band it, it's still what what drives me now so my drive is just music i don't it, i don't it, what's it it's easy to say what isn't in my collection and that's stuff that i consider to, to be produced badly so like probably 90 percent of pop music is just massively over compressed to my ear so i really struggle with it but um yeah or just really stuff that hasn't got any integrity you know, I'll even put up a bad production if it's got integrity. So that's just my, my goal in life is just to find stuff that, that turns me on and I'll sacrifice nothing. Or I'll, rather, I'll sacrifice everything. Yeah. We're all musical junkies, aren't we? Yeah. yeah I think you've got <laughs> well, uh, well, thankfully, there aren't. Not everyone is because there wouldn't be enough vinyls go around. But uh, the way things are, then there certainly is. And and James, what I loved was your lack of pretension and lack of snobbery around music. I mean, you'd be as happy calling out a sixties artist or Goat or Status Quo. You know, there 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 is no limits to who you enjoy, who you like. Well, it's just overall sex, isn't it? I mean, it's just you you, you everyone sort of gravitates. Look, if I said to you. What do you, what have you, your go-tos? Depending <laughs> on mood, depending on whether you're on oh. carpet, depending on whether you've met someone, you're constantly trying to work everything out. But you've got go-tos, right? Everyone's got a go-to. Yeah. And I do as well. There was a lot of things I could have very specific, probably obvious channels like everyone else. But I, I'm never satisfied until I've just covered a lot. And I'm willing to give something a go. But the problem is I, I struggle with being, because I DJ as well, you, you know, when record shops like i go to a record shop i needle drop so like click click that and i'll literally yeah. within half a second instantly nut my ears tuned yeah sometimes i'm i'll put up a, say i'm wrong but i'd say 90 percent of the time i'm right and it just comes from just putting the needle down and going mm. yep yep no yep yep no and i could very very quickly and it's a feeling i don't think it that, that's a beautiful thing about music it's we struggle, we spend our whole lives trying to emotionally yeah. put into words what we're feeling. And you can never, ever do it justice because there are times or places in, in history or you know, where you've been, who you were. It's, it's so such a, an emotional journey you're on, isn't it? But, uh, yeah, it's, it's very... I just have a, a tuned ear to know instantly whether I like something. So I'm lucky that I can just get rid of the crap that I don't... Oh. But you must have that. You've always must have that, right? I, I struggle. Um, my lovely boss, she, she's asked me a couple of times, well, what are your favourite bands and what's the music you like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My boss has asked me, you know, what, what's your favourite bands when she's listened to one of the podcasts? And I find it very hard to come up with one because I, I suppose what I don't want is to be defined by giving a name. That's the hardest <laughs> thing. And you know, I, I did a producer. Yeah, man, it's just, it's just 
question. It's, it's the worst question as well. But I mean, it's not. It's not the, unfair. It's not an unfair question, depending who's asking it. I think it's unfair. I always say the. <laughs> I always say the people because we, we. I mean, I, I contract. I don't know about you guys, but I meet. I mean, Dave contracts, and I always say the people. If I sit down in an office and someone says, "Do you like music?" I go, "Nah, no." Because what I'm doing is I'm looking. I'm like, "What's what's he know?" What you know? And I'm <laughs> constantly like, "Right." I'd rather sit there and shut up. And so, and then if someone says something about a band, then your ears prick up, and you're like, "Frank Zappa." What? Oh right. Oh hello, mate. And then, <laughs> so some, someone asking your favourite band. The irony is, and this is probably maybe more of a, a, a male thing. I, I hate to say it like that, but we list I, I, I'm, whatever it is. It could be top five desert island biscuits. <laughs> You pretty much know who your number one is. So, but the problem is, it's probably an obvious one. It's it's just such a weird question if someone says, "What's your favourite band?" You're like, oh, I could tell you, but can I just give you an hour backstory to how I've arrived at that decision so it doesn't belittle any of the other bands? James, last year, last year I produced my top eight hundred albums, and and I and I kept on refining it. And if I was to do it today. It would be different. There's there's bands that might be in 400th, which would be up in the top 50. And I, I don't know if I'd change my top five or 10, but I couldn't. They No no one of them deserves to be singled out because they're all great, lovely albums that, that I just, I put them on, as you said, if, depending on the mood, and they just take me away. And that, that, that's yeah. all that matters. And it's mood. It's yeah. mood music. That's the thing. And that, that's a beautiful thing about it. I, I, my go, you know, when you wake up in the morning, how do you feel? Oh, and, that hit, and then whatever you reach for is the right answer. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's your, and, and of course, then you trigger something else. Yeah, I also don't like the question, what sort of music are you into? I think even though it's not <laughs> quite as pigeonholed, it's why should you have to justify what sort of music? There's so much out there, isn't that? Massively, massively. That's yeah. It is very. But the irony is, you probably could answer as well. Putting <laughs> <laughs> all those genres. But yep. it's, 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 it's just, it's a weird question. The, the good thing is because people are, people are asking. I mean, it's, it's just a, the most fascinating. I always distrust anyone who's not into music. It's an instant, like, because I've got no interest in sports whatsoever. You know, I probably, you know, and it's just not to say the two are multi, mutually exclusive. They're not some of the biggest music heads I know are massive sport heads, but I do always distrust someone that isn't that into music because I can't, I think, well, how what's your world like it must be <laughs> great yeah absolutely my wife says she's not into music but she has to be into my music so she's got no choice <laughs> my friend turned off motorhead the other day and i nearly had a bit of a we, had, we nearly had a bit of a moment so yeah. <laughs> love it oh, so you were saying about um your djing what sort of oh, wait, wait, dj what sort of thing do you do well, I've always, I mean, because I collect records, I mean, that's, and I think a lot of people that buy records tend to sort of go into to DJing. So when I, st I started buying records was, uh, well, I bought, and I've bought records since I was sort of 10, 11, and I used to go to record shops and just didn't, and at the time I didn't know what I was buying. I just knew, in fact, I still remember the first thing I said to mum, I want to buy a record. And I didn't know what I wanted to buy, but I knew that I wanted to have one. So there must be something in me to drive it. And the more you collect, the more 
I wanted other people to hear. So I started DJing early 90s. I, I mean, I was a rave kid, so I, I was um, DJing sort of early hardcore and then drum and bass, and that kind of went on to the 90s. And then obviously the 90s was kind of like my generation 60s, and so I just kind of went and just started buying everything. And, and then I started DJing a lot of hip-hop, so I, I do a lot of scratching, and then that kind of element of that really sort of went hand in hand in the sort of 90s. We did a lot of band collaborations where I'd be cutting breaks and scratching over bands and drummers in a club up in London. Mm -hmm. I used to run a couple of, couple of club nights up there. And then I, I, that kind of died away a bit and I started just, got, then I started collecting funk 45s. So then I started DJing funk and then, well, that was got boring to me. So then I, my, what I play now is essentially anything. It's easy if I say I would play I play obvious, not obviously. See, so it's a hard question. I would play funk, Latin, disco, rock. I like crossover stuff, stuff that you can't pigeonhole, like a rock band that will cover something Latin or something funky. But then again, I, I might chuck in some post-punk. I might play a dub tune. I might play a 50s tune. I might put Little Richard. I might play, I run a couple of bars at Glastonbury, and, and, and that's kind of a good summation of what I do because it's just, it's genreless. Right. It's, it's just, if a tune's bad, it's bad, and and it, and if you play to a tent full of people, and you're just playing a tune that's just a percussion track, nothing else, just like just you can play a conga tune as long as it's got heart and soul. Yeah. Then it, that's it, and so a lot of my stuff is is kind of grew like a real solid groove, and then it. And that's the biggest problem as a DJ. I, I, I struggle to sell myself, and in the world now where headphones are the ultimate fashion accessory. I, I look at people online that can and do that, and I just think, wow, is it more about the look for you or is it more about the music? You know, for me, I would say leave your ego at the door. The biggest thrill I get is playing a tune. It, even I'd rather play a tune to five of my mates sitting around a fire outside on mini rig speakers than <laughs> to a hundred people who just don't care. It's and I want to see. I've got a friend of mine who I know his ear so well, and I save up tunes just to freak mm. him out. So just at like two o'clock in the morning, I can play it and I can watch his face. <laughs> Light and up. It's just like, um, so <laughs> yeah. just, but James, how did you we, get we, from? So how did you get from? I don't know. How did you get the little gigs, and how did that then progress to get into the likes of Glastonbury and and Download? It's just a, I'm a collector of things. People is one of them. I collect. You know, everyone's got good good mates, and luckily I. Uh, a lot of my mates are quite talented. They've gone on to do certain things. So when I first, when I first started playing in London, which was like 95, 96, I guess, then a lot of friends of mine were at college. Um, and so they were doing club nights. And then I met someone else who's used to work for One Lit Lindian, uh, which was, uh, was Bjork on One Lit Lindian at the time? I think she might yeah. have been. Okay. Sneaker Pimps, uh, that sort of thing. And so they were doing a night... Uh, uh, a club called Blue Note in London, where Metalheads used to have Sundays. We did a live thing there, and that, and it just snowballed. And from there, just met more and more people. But you know, I, I was really yeah. club DJing. Like when I was really club DJing, that was probably the nineties. After that, I, I, I just would throw, rather throw parties myself. Uh, but you know, it's trust, isn't it? Yeah. A lot of the time, you just you meet people, and it's just like, he's a good DJ. How do you know that he just it just is. I get it. I trust him. Yeah. So a lot of my mates now they they progress to higher and better things, and so mm. you meet 
but they're just it's almost like business you know just don't be a dick if you're, if you're just a nice yeah. person you get it you could do a good job yeah. whether that's music or baking a cake people yeah. will just say right it's you're reliable yeah that's it you know they can so trust you yeah. also don't be self-indulgent read the crowd look at what the crowd's doing are they having a good time are you just going to play techno because that's what people expect and you know just it's it's just trust in it, and you know. So yeah, just lucky, I guess. Well, I, I, I think you've earned it. I think I think because you create it. Well, because of the rapport you that you built, and and because you read the crowd, it, you're not up there just playing the the, the forty songs that your discs that you have with you. You're going to play the ones that the crowd are responding to, and that's that's the gift, isn't it? It is. It's it's that middle line of not playing obvious, but not playing to alienate yeah. to be selfish it's it's you want to educate but you want people to have a good time and that's the magic that that's the oh. sweet spot so it's like yeah it's that sweet spot I was, was going to do a potential David Bowie say that for another Darren you do you you maybe not to the Glastonbury League but you do a local DJ <laughs> but, yeah um, yeah yeah not, not quite that level but from from memory, in the last twelve months, you you've um, DJed at events where it might be anything from kids who are in the Andram Club to people in their eighties. Yeah, absolutely, and I totally echo what James just said about reading the room. I think for any DJ, whatever level it is, you've got to play what what's going to go down well, what they want to hear to give them a good night. I echo that sentiment completely. And you can have your own musical values, um, but when it comes to DJing, sometimes you might have to defer slightly from that. Um, if you can stick to your values, great. But yeah, but it is interesting. It's, it's good fun. I do enjoy it. There's nothing like hearing a tune live loud. Friend yeah. of mine's got got a wood, and uh, we had a party there last year, and we set up a big PA. It's in the middle of nowhere, and there's nothing like hearing. Oh. Uh, that's why I used to love three parties, but there's nothing like hearing a tune loud in, in a very exclusive situation. It's just the ultimate reward <laughs> to hearing hearing music. Yeah. Not it's, it's actually really hearing it. You know, it's, it's it's the same value you get out of having a good pair of speakers at home. Wow. Uh, that just when you can sit down and go, wow, oh, the Sonics, you know, <laughs> just <laughs> absolutely. That's reminded me. What one of your um your failings? You've got you suffer from speaker envy, don't you? Yeah, I, I like well, I like everyone. Everyone like I like I like speakers. Yeah, but I like I like old speakers, like classic speakers. I like yeah, yeah. They look good. They smell good. They sound good. You know, how, that's that kind of definite. You know. How do you manage to yeah, to listen to? So how do you manage to listen to music in a modern building, a modern home, <laughs> on headphones? Not much. Not much gets in my way, dude. Ah. I, I apologise to my neighbours profusely. I've spent my life apologising to people. But my selfish gene is that I, I just will have moments that I have to hear something right, and nothing will stop me doing that. And, and in my life, I've really tried to curtail that you know, so if I have a blowout, yeah. it might be once a month. Right. But, you know, it may well be you'll find me in my lounge listening to Kamasi Washington at one in the morning mm -hmm. and it'll be loud. What about you, boys? You must listen to music 
quite loud, don't you? <laughs> when I can, yeah. When I'm allowed. But no, you're, you're absolutely right. If you're in the mood for something, you need to play it. And I'm always getting told off by my daughter and my wife that it's too loud. But hey, it's got to be done. got to be done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is nothing sure. quite like it. As I just disappeared for a bit there. Um, the it's oxygen, isn't it? It's, or I don't know if oxygen's the right description, but it's something that you just need to have. And I don't have enough yeah. time. I, I don't have enough time. I think that's probably my biggest problem. But you can still get a fix. Oh, yeah. You can still a, a moment. I'll I'll do this thing. Uh, I said to my girlfriend the other day. Sometimes I'll be at a social situation. And I'm just, I'm going to go to the toilet. And I'm like, what I'm doing in there is I've gone away to listen to a track and then I've come back. Uh-huh. Wow. So yeah. I just, I need to steal moments. And again, I never, and when we're traveling, headphones have obviously opened up a world of, well, podcasts oh. or music or talk or, but I always think you need to look after your brain. And to do that, you just need to give it endorphins. And one track, the right track, if you have to pick one, or do it because it's like, oh, you know, in a meeting at work and you're like, I've forgotten who I am, what I like and where I'm going. And it's like, right, quick, quick. I need to hear something right. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, don't, I don't need to worry so much nowadays because there's so much available in the way of or access to music on the phones, which didn't exist before. But before I would travel with spare headphones, spare cables, a spare iPod, everything was in my suitcase. So when I travelled, I knew, always knew there was a backup. There would be something that I could make sure that every night, because I couldn't imagine not having music when I'm in the hotel. Oh. <laughs> and you can't carry your records with you, can you, in fairness? It's uh, <laughs> not, not with a 10 kilo rule. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a shocker. It is a shocker. But yeah, like I say, we... we at least we're all thinking along those mindsets. Yeah. It's survival, isn't it? It's what you need to survive. You know, have you boys thought about your funeral tunes? I, <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying, I went, um, my brother's godfather passed a few years ago and uh, was at the funeral. A sign of age is when you're the person who's known the person that, who died the longest. Admittedly, I was two or, or one when I first met him. Um, but he had some great tunes, and it was lovely hearing his daughters speaking during the the ceremony. But I mean, he had uh, Meatloaf in there. I'm trying to remember who else he had a few, and it set me to thinking about what I have. I haven't chosen mine, but I, I don't know if you have, Darren. I've given it thoughts here and there. I'd like to get a bit of the Smiths in there. They, I think they need to be in there for me. And um, one of my favourite songs of all time, which I now don't want anymore, but it's just that it's you too, with or without you. But I think it's too oh. funeral-like. So I know I don't want that. It's <laughs> got to be a party. A funeral's got to be a party. So, <laughs> so I need well, to keep the good it... thing is, you, you can be as self-indulgent as you want because oh. people will have to listen to it yeah. and yeah. they're not going to go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> this is what he wanted. He wanted John Cage. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Captive audience, <laughs> right? We'll do the Macarena, that's fine. Yeah, oh. yeah it could be anything, <laughs> So James, what's on your yeah. list? Have you have you have you got a, you've probably got a short list rather than refined list? Three tracks. Uh, the new edition at the moment is uh, Stones' uh, Sweet Virginia because it just I just would love to have go out with Bobby Keys playing that killer sax solo, man, and it oh. just 
I love everything about that album, that period, that tour, that lineup, those stories, that house, everything. Then I have uh, Johnny Cash's version of uh, Danny Boy from oh. American Four because it, that that organ that's in there is is very church like. And then I probably stick it. I I I limit myself to three. Yeah. I I struggle. I always wanted to hear for free uh, Joni's uh, oh. track, but then it's. I, I, yeah, uh, yeah. I think at the moment it'll be Joni Mitchell for free, but then that's a little bit, a little bit self-indulgent. Touch. Yeah. I, I, if I had to, two, it'd be two to, uh, Johnny Cash, Danny Boy, and uh, Stone Sweet Virginia to finish and go out. Wow, that's great. So if I cark it, remember that seriously. I've actually written it down. So I'll, yeah, I, I'll contact your girlfriend. <laughs> Just stay safe. Yeah. <laughs> Tell you what, David, that could be a new section for our show. Now we've got to come up with ours. We have. I Ask think. people what their funeral track is. It's, yeah. it's, you know, it's what it's what you want. A friend of mine was in the army and he had met a guy who wanted to go out to when his coffin was brought into the church. He wanted to have the pink panther and he wanted a pink <laughs> tail hanging out the back of the coffin. Oh, amazing! <laughs> that would be brilliant. <laughs> Just brilliant. Just brilliant. Super. Um, we'll get on to a couple of other things but um i just really wanted to ask about your crate digging because i remember you going in various countries and when you used to have your podcast where you're playing vinyl and you dug out stuff in different countries so i don't know if that's yeah. something you presume you still do that and but the joy of going into a, a, a secondhand store a record store you don't know and you just go through and you're just discovering all this new stuff crazy i mean it's amazing isn't it that there's nothing more challenging exhausting uh, enjoyable exhilarating confusing yeah. you know just th- i've been as angry as i've ever been in a record shop and no. as happy as i've ever been in a record shop you know i i discard i have my idea of what's appropriate to spend just go straight out the window <laughs> and i just yeah I, if i go to a record shop a good one then i look at i'm, I'm straight away looking on the wall because i'm like what they got what what's, yeah. what's some big hitters they've got and i'm like <sighs> Case in point, there's um, my uh, my family's from a uh, swale down North Yorkshire, uh, and then this little my cousin keeps saying, to me, uh, even down Titans, there's a record <laughs> shop in Richmond. It's not a record <laughs> shop, right? There's this guy who's got a collection who's built himself uh, a cabin, a beautiful sort of cabin at the bottom of his garden. He brews his own beer, and he's selling his record collection. So you go in and see Tim. Tim says, "Oh, the IPA is drinking well. Gives you it's all free." So it gives you free beer, and then now it's turned into a bit of a club where all the locals now go there. So it's like a pub, and everyone's buying records. And I, I walked in there, I picked up uh, the first John Mayle plays album on mono, red mono deck. I've been looking for that for like ten years. Uh, yeah, the first yeah. Bert Yance album. I'm looking oh. for a decent copy of that for 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 a long time. And so I, I, I'm still blown away consistently by. Uh, records that are just there, but then you can spend your whole life being eluded by the one that got away. You know, like a friend of mine owns a record shop, and I, he would always give me um, a call uh, when I was working in Reading. And uh, bearing in mind, I'd be going into the shop every day. And at my peak, I was probably blowing about a grand and a half a month from records. I was just flat Jeez. out. I had no money for anything, absolutely wow. nothing. I would, I would forego food. I would <laughs> forego everything. And he would call me up. And he'd go, got a collection of 
and you go up to the top and you know when i was a kid when I, if i wanted to get music i'd go explore any avenue so i would, I would make friends with girls just so I could go babysitting with them, just so I could take blank tapes and record the record collection of the person that she, they were going oh, to. mercenary. <laughs> so <laughs> so when, when I get a call from a guy and a collection's coming, you're looking through someone else's brain and you're going, in, it, or your senses are just buzzing because you find one album and you go, please, 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 please. And you pull it out and it's like the, the, the holy grail trophy of... Uh, that moment in time where it's like they've got it. Ah, oh, oh. right press. Wow. Oh. <laughs> so I, 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 I constantly. But you boys record shop, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. All the time. Whenever I'm passing one, whoever I'm with, you've got to go in. You've got to have a look. You've got to have a rummage. Um, it's just yeah. It's it should be law. Do you remember that one down in Yuki that we had to go back to two or three times because it never opened? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've always got to look. How have I ever had any luck in a charity shop? I'm waiting to walk in one day and see 20 records that I've always wanted. Matt, I, I don't know about you, but I, I've had some... My, my, my regrets come from... When I was um, younger, there was a shop that opened up in Basingstoke, and one day I walked in <laughs> and I saw this big pile of green vinyl, and I said, what's that? Said, Library music. There's a whole KPM collection that just been dumped in there by a radio no. station, and I walked straight past it, and then I came back, and it had gone. The whole lot had gone. Oh. I, I, I shop in charity shops a lot. Uh, sometimes you, I've had some amazing stuff out of charity shops, but you got to work for it. But then I, I don't mind working for it because I just love the smell. Yeah. The smell of must. The smell of <laughs> yeah. dust and and. And what's you know, it's that it's exciting, isn't it? And yeah. it, 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 it's the ultimate. It's like, how do you get into? You just got to start buying, don't you? If yeah. someone who wants to get into buying records, you just got to start. Yeah. Everyone makes mistakes. You know, everyone's got. I've got to have first pressings originals. You know, but it for someone who wants to get into records, don't set yourself any. And you just buy. Just yeah. Get it, you know? Get it, play yeah. it, listen to it, enjoy it. Yeah. And you can see source it later on and wheedle some out if you need to, but yeah, just get going. I found an interesting thing when I was in Reykjavik last year, um, sort of my annual pilgrimage, and I sort of made a little tour of all of the different record shops. And the one which I found the most joyous, the most fascinating, was the one that looked the roughest. You know, most of them were all in just nice tidy little shop fronts and you walked in this one is the closest thing to describe it is like a bunker and you walk in and it's all cluttered and there's a load of cds it's only when you go through the the guy serving at the counter and you go through a little gap on the left you suddenly come to two smaller rooms which are just floor to ceiling with vinyl and it's that you get that overwhelming well where do i start start kind of thing and then and i found creams Israeli gears in there um, it's weird, isn't it? What turns up in foreign? Oh, I picked absolutely. up a mint copy of a Yellow Submarine in Warsaw, and it, and it, it took me leaving the country to find a, a proper untouched mint copy. But uh, yeah, it always amazes me. I, mean, I guess obviously because English music sold a lot. But <laughs> so, did you say to me that you um, there was a question that someone wanted a recommendation for an album? Yeah, yeah. So what it is is there's a. a, a good friend he contacted me he dm'd me last year just to say 
could I recommend 100 albums if he was starting off a, an album collection? And so he's actually he's actually got a load of Queen stuff, but he's from Ireland. He's a big fan of Christy Moore, but um, he's very open to, to to lots of different music. And I think just looking for, you know, what would be those sort of key albums that would be good to have in the collection on there? Now, you might, you know, I'm, I'm sure you probably can't keep it down to one, so I'll take more than one. But if you're thinking someone who's kicking off, kicking off a... The vinyl. Um, what what sort of things would you recommend? Oh, right. it, it was too much of a pressure for me to go back. Um, there was someone else who'd actually there was someone else who'd actually recorded. Sorry, who'd actually just built his first hundred album collection. So he shared the spines with me, and I passed them on to Mark. Um, but that's that's a case for. It's a big one, so I thought it'd be easier to ask ask everyone just to suggest one album. No one can go wrong with one album, right? I'll tell you what, right? I do. I do I've got two here. One for you guys, and okay. one for him. Nice. So there are two. It's it's it, the, the hardest question because it. it <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so one for him. All right. Well, that. David Crosby, if only I could remember my name. If, of all of the, the solo albums from that lineup, Crosby was the one for me that hit it. And this album is it's, it's just absolutely ethereal. It it's it just surpasses anything. It's, albums have a the ones you love tend to be um, coherent bodies of work that sound, songs sound like they were recorded at the same time or right. they have the same sort of idea and structure or belief or, or whatever it is but there's, there's a magic that runs through the players the studio the the year the pressing all of that kind of jazz and this this album very much has that it's um it's got the usual sort of ramshackle lineup that you'd expect you know Gus Jerry Garcia's on there uh, Neil Young's on there Graham Nash is on there yeah. uh, Joni's on there in the background I think Rick Coolidge might be on there as well but um it, David Crosby's got such uh, a beautiful innocence sometimes to his music that he uses a lot of open tunings so if you like guitar you like harmony you like slightly folk-esque sun-drenched acid tinged late 60s staring on top of a mountain at the sun wide eyes wide open that I, i know no finer i mean you think of they, he did this, Stephen Stills in his first album, which is oh, mind-blowing good as well. Jesus Christ, I've never heard Stephen Stills' first album. Neil Young did after the Gold Rush and um, Graham, uh, Graham Nash and Thompson Beginners. But I just think, I mean, <laughs> I'm not pitting it against any, it's no. the best that love. I'm just saying, it's. I always find David Crosby's, if you never heard, if I don't remember my name, not lost albums, but you know the albums? Yeah. Should be more well known. You could say Dennis Wilson, Pacific Ocean Blue, Jim Clark, no other. Yeah, These kind of classic albums that should be better than or well known than they are, but because they're not, they're gems that you can give someone and go listen to that. So, David Crosby, and for you guys, I figured, well, you're kind of up, you're probably a bit past that. This is the best album you've never heard in your life. They're a band called Zerfas, Z-E-R-F-A-S. Uh, again, it's it's sun-drenched acid, late, late 60s California, Beach Boys meets Stooges. It's incredible harmonies. With There's no filler on this album. It's just absolutely 
stunning. Yeah. It says produced by David Zerfers, so I think uh, they're a family. But ZER FAS uh, actually recorded in '73, <coughs> but sounds like it was recorded earlier. Just mental, mental good. Not on Spotify. Um, right. It, this is a repress. It's on a. It was repressed by a company called Radioactive. Um, the originals are grand, easier, I guess. But this, um, it's just mental, mental good. I can't, I can't praise this album enough. It's just incredible. Well, that's that's on my list. Yeah, fantastic. That's <laughs> great to have that. Um, if you're right for but time, it's a hard. What would you recommend to him if he said an album, Dave? You had to give him one. What would you go? Well, and I, I know he has a, a, a penchant for some French stuff, so I gave him. Uh, Serge Gainborg's The uh, Histoire of Melanie, uh, Nelson Melody or Melody Nelson, sorry. Oh, man. Um, oh, man. <laughs> I, and, you know, that that's... If, you, if you're kind of working your way through, so if you pick up stuff in the 60s and early 70s, that they were platforms that other bands, artists, genres flew, grew, grew out of, you know, the likes of Air grew out of them and all sorts. French album, French rock music. Man. That album's just so. Oh god! Did you get the? Have you boys got that? The, they reissued the. Um, I've got the album on the reissue. That box. It's a. It's a box set. So you get a book with it. Uh, you get the original album from Mark from Analog Tapes remastered, oh. and then you get a companion LP, which is different cuts from those sessions. No. Look out for that history of the Manny Nelson box set. It's just. Ridiculous. What would you go with, Daz, if you had to pick a, an album for someone? Mine last week, I mean, we've got the, we're in the luxurious position of being able to pick 50 each at a time. So <laughs> last week, mine was The Flaming Lips. Uh, you Which one? That band, you know, Yoshimi. Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots. Not the soft, not the soft, um, soft, well, the, soft no, close second, close second. Yeah, but that, yeah, that might end up in the 50s still, or in the 100s, but. Yeah, just, great band, aren't it, they? Just, I can lose myself in your shimmy. I can sit back and just drift off, and yeah, amazing album. Yeah, man, it's genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah very much so. Brilliant. Do you get to go to many gigs? Yeah, last gig, uh, spiritualized, uh, yeah. lit by lit by a thousand and one candles. The one is obviously very important in the thousand and one, but that was at the Hackney Empire. Uh, I'm a big sucker for spiritualized or space in three. Um, yeah, I try to I try, I try to do a lot of gigs. Like, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm spoiled living in London. Yeah. Um, gig of the year last year was Fortet Alexander Palace. That was just oh wow. Light light show was just. I mean, it it wasn't about the beautiful thing about that gig. It wasn't about him. It was he created an experience which was immersive as hell. Uh, and it's just, I, I left that gig feeling that I'd seen the start of something new in oh. that you weren't looking at a stage. The, the, he, you, were, you danced around, so he was in the middle of the room with, inter, with lights, I can't, it's really hard to explain, but the floor to ceiling lines going down with, and, and about half a meter apart was an LED ball. So you're surrounded by all of these lines of balls and each one of those balls is able to light up at a different time. So then you can start creating patterns and pictures and images with those balls. And because you're dancing in the music, in the light show, it's like 
fucking hell. Sorry for swearing, but no. I, 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 I left that gig thinking I've seen something new, and it was. I think we're good. So yeah, I get to I get to do a lot of gigs. Well, London's just you know just lucky. Yeah. You who? Where's where's your nearest big town for you for gigs? Bristol. Um, yeah, Bristol or possibly Plymouth occasionally down at the pavilions, but Exeter has a bit. Saw C Stick Steve there. He came Wicked. down. You know, when he when you get people like that coming down and it's it's great and then you actually realize but there was someone who was there from Dorset, I think, had come over. So, you know, sometimes you just have to take your chances because you know, a number of times yeah. I look for bands, especially because I'm travelling so much. Um I need something at the weekend, so it becomes a bit restrictive. So the truth is, probably don't go into enough gigs. I'd love to go to some more. Um, try and do a few when I'm working in Dublin with Mr. Kilcoin. Over the years, seen Mum and um, a few people. Doc, Dr. John. Oh no, that was on my own. That wasn't with Sean. So when you get to see some people, but everyone's like, got like like great albums. I bet you could name your best gigs, couldn't you? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I've, I've said mine before that there's probably a few seeing Prince playing at Wembley Arena, Talking Heads supported by U2 when talk as the remaining light tour. You know, there's some some amazing ones to to be part of, and that there's there's so many which are, are worth enjoying. I mean, that, that that were just great to have had. And Darren, I think you shared. Did you share your favourite gig? I can't remember. Yeah, there was a few, wasn't there? I mean, again, it's something I find really hard to nail down because there's been so many. But um, I had one of the really early Blair gigs was one I talked about. Um, what else I talked about? Um, oh, can't remember which one I mentioned. Oh, Aerosmith, wasn't it? Oh, it was right, a real yeah. curve. But they were brilliant live. And then, uh, the early Manic Street Preachers gigs as well. Tremendous band live back in the early days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, I heard that first album on the other day. That's... Motorcycle Emptiness is still a massive track. I saw them on that on that tour, '94, wasn't it? I, I saw them on that first tour. Right. Yeah. Was it '94? Yeah. That was maybe it wasn't. Maybe more. that was the second album. But uh, yeah, I mean, but it's who you are at that moment in time. What you're yeah. going through. Yeah. What what you everything in life point. It's not the gig can almost be secondary to that moment in time as well. Do you know what I mean? It's just like yeah, it's what two. happened. Yeah. Around the gig, how did you get there? Who were you with? What were you going through? Did you have a girlfriend? Were you single? Who did you yeah. meet after? What happened then? You know, everyone, it's the gig stories are as important as the gig. And then the gig's like the ultimate cherry on the, ta- the, the top, which is like, actually, they fucking rocked it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking with a friend this week, um, and I, I could have sworn blind that he'd come with me to this gig. And sometimes the stories are better than the gigs, the gig stories. Um, but there's one where the gig was actually very good. We went... Uh, to see Supertramp up in in Wembley, this was when they did Breakfast in America, and I I'd loved their earlier stuff. But anyway, we uh, a friend and I worked in a supermarket. It was a Saturday job, and the assistant manager drove round from Kent to pick us up. Um, trouble is, he had a bit of a problem with the drink, so he turned up in his escort with a bottle of teachers nearly empty in the passenger seat, and we and we still had an hour's drive, and this was five o'clock. So um, wow. there were four of us in the car, and luckily one of us had a provisional driving license. So we reckoned we just shoveled the poor drunken Merv into the passenger seat. We got the other guy to to drive us, 
um, and we sat in the back. So we made our way through rush hour traffic up to Wembley. Whilst we're going through Hounslow, there's a guy, some guy comes out, over, tries to overtake us, uh, our car, and, and Andy, the, the driver, was a bit nervous and swerved the wrong way, just clipped the cyclist, the motorcyclist, who fell off. Now, luckily, he, he didn't, he hardly noticed because he was still, you know, his provisional driving license, right? So he, uh, we sort of looked back and we saw this guy stand up shaking his fist. And we we're going. Should we stop? And the guy, Mervyn, who was drunk, going, "No, no, just keep going." And so anyway, he carried on driving. We got up to Wembley, and of course, our our guy who had the car, he was pretty much out of it. So anyway, we're we're waiting for the main gig to start, and he goes to the loo. Five minutes later, he's not come back. So I go to look for him, and I find him in the men's, leaning up against the urinals with his head on the wall. So he's at an, at an angle leaning against the wall and he's fallen asleep. <laughs> so sort of bring him back round, bring him back, get him sat down. And then a little bit later, they turn the lights down and they make an announcement on the uh, PA system. They say, uh, we have a message from the Wembley police and we're all looking at each other thinking, oh, fuck. When you go home tonight, take the long road home. Which, <laughs> so just and then they come on and they play that with that they play that song so look, it was it was a great gig and it, the, the, all the tracks the early stuff they did i wasn't uh I quite like breakfast in america in those days I, i've got no time for it now but playing everything off crime of the century and even in the quietest moments yeah. was just yeah, that's, a that's high yeah which was good yeah. so james yeah. hi, highlight highlights or mem memories I, there's a story I always tell, and I haven't told it to you, so you'll find it in you. But um, again, if you talk about people that were that good, you know, everyone comes away from a gig singing the other day. I saw this band, they were great. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking, not as good as Prince. They're not as good as Prince. When you see Prince live, you realize just what it is to witness someone who has dedicated his life to understanding practicing and learning constantly learning music and proficiency yeah. and expectations of his band and that transcribes the expectation of his fans a prince fan at a gig is probably as there's this this understanding it's just an incredible feeling when he did that hit i'd seen prince three times at um, the o2 which is just on the road so so i was in the queue and then someone turned up with some beers behind. And I was like, all right. And then there's this little party starts happening in the queue. And anyway, we think we're not going to make it because you're, you're judging how big the, the venue is to how many people you're seeing in front of you. We got to the front and on Prince had charged everyone a tenner. I got to see the best gig of my life for 10 quid. And he came on, he did about an hour came off again, did another interlude of a half. He ended up playing for about two hours. And then the crowd wouldn't let him go. He did seven encores. George, I looked over the way, and George Clinton is in the balcony opposite me. Erica Badu's there. And I'm like, I'm, I'm seeing something. This is a moment. I'd met the guy next to me. We just hung out all evening. I chatted up Gemma Arterton at the, at the bar. <laughs> it was just, it was like, is 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 mythical how good that gig was, how good he was, and just how lucky and special. And I just think that was it. I, I saw him again uh, at Coco 
he did the same thing uh, and it was an amazing gig but there's something very special about that I was just in the right place at the right time and yeah just he, he but he just was that good and when I say good he's just fucking unbelievable player you, you see him Dave yeah oh, he's a master isn't he and I mean, it would have been great to have seen the likes of Chuck Berry, you know, people up there. But you just feel that Prince is just, I mean, it's just the whole the whole thing, isn't it? The, co- the coordination or choreography with oh, the band. So apart from being, you, and you forget he's an amazing guitarist because it's the whole oh thing. It's just the whole thing, isn't it? <laughs> I see Eric Clapton quote. What's it feel like to be the best guitarist in the world? I don't know, you better ask Prince. It's just, yeah. it's, it's true. He's just, you know, yeah, but yeah, I, I think he's, his manager was the same as James Brown and, they, and he was asked which one's got the, the bigger worth ethic and he said James Brown, 49%, Prince, 51%. And it's just, oh, okay. if you don't, you know, it's there's a reason why Miles Davis worked with Prince, played with him and was just like, you know, it's yeah. he so much dedication, living, breathing, day in, 24-7 music, you know, you just... You know, these people don't come around a lot. So when you see them, you're like, "Yeah." So, so there it is. It's probably probably right to start wrapping it up. But I just wanted to ask if what projects did you have on the go? Have you got something? Because you've, you've you've done some work on, or you released some stuff on. Is it Mixcloud? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very much. Uh, it's hard with me. I like to do a lot of things. So uh, I have a podcast well i have a podcast called the electric blanket which i'm going to be starting up again with steenie which is essentially a two-hour radio show format although we're now going to squeeze that to an hour we do it all live with with records chats uh and it's it's much it's humorous so that's worth checking out the electric blanket i'm quite quite proud of that one i write music and release it under uh suburban architecture which uh is an homage to 90s the lighter side, good-looking, you know, book, book and Fabio Speed, that sort of elements of drum and bass. So Suburban Architectures on Mick on um, Spotify, and I'm about to release my second record. That physical product, which is cool, I uh, write under my own steam uh, under the moniker YYKY, but I haven't got an outlet for that yet. So I've just done my first EP, had it mastered, and I'm going to be releasing that uh, soon. Next couple of couple of weeks i do a movie podcast called seeing the sequel which we're just about to start where we uh for music people that work in a lot of friends that work in film quite uh quite uh, influential people and so we sort of hypothesize sequels to films that were never made what they might look like who they were cast how we would market it and talk about it uh so i do that uh and yeah, that, that, that's that's enough for now. No, that's, well, that keeps so, it going. I just like yeah. keep busy. Brilliant, James. Brilliant. I want to thank you very much, uh, Darren. If I ask you to close. Yeah. yeah, thanks very much for that. Really interesting. We'll definitely get you back on again. I'm sure there's some more there we can hear about as well. So, thank you, James. Um, yeah, so just wanted to say really before we end, finish. Thanks a lot for all the likes and the shares that you've been giving us. Um, keep them coming in. Let us know as well anything you'd like us to discuss, anything you think we should listen to. Uh, James has given us some brilliant ideas there. There's a couple of things I've never heard that I'll be listening to. Um, so, yeah, tune in again to the next one. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Cheers, all. Yeah, it's all about Hollywood. Sunset.
said generation, they got all that stuff. Hear that meditation on that FM station? 